Welcome to Beyond the Benediction. This podcast is created for the exploration of the Bible, the examination of the church, and the expectation of the Christian life. We will cover topics that will both challenge and encourage you and help us to live lives dedicated to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Kevin Toomer. Welcome to the Beyond the Benediction podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Toomer. Thank you so much for checking me out and tuning in. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. Hopefully this won't be your last time. And even if you have been rolling with me for quite a few weeks now, I ask that if you are listening to this uh, podcast via an app to go ahead and subscribe, whether that's through Apple Music, whether it's through iHeartRadio, whatever app you may be listening to, please subscribe. So that way, whenever I upload an episode, which my goal is to upload one every Thursday, that way you won't miss a beat and you'll be tuned in every time I upload an episode. And if you're also listening on one of those apps and they allowed you to leave comments, by all means, please leave comments. Uh, I would love to hear from you, your, any thoughts or if there's anything that I've shared that really blessed you, by all means, uh, leave a comment if you're allowed to. Well, now, I'm sure you've seen the title of this particular episode, How to Hold On to Your Hope. Now, some may be listening today, and this may have been an episode that was came down from heaven, <laughs> that, that you are you're going through a rough situation, a tough time right now. And a lot of us are with the COVID pandemic all around the world and, and just the, the, the state of things in the world, just whether you're Christian or not. Sometimes it just seems like the world is not a very pleasant place. And specifically, though, if you are a Christian, if you listen to some of my previous episodes, we understand that there's a fight that we have that's unique to us as Christians. And and no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how saved you are, no matter how much you're filled with the spirit of God, we all go through something what I like to call believers fatigue. That's a phrase that I came up with just to say that you're going to have moments where you're tired. You're going to have moments when the world beats you down, the enemy beats you down, you beat yourself down, and you're just, you seem like there's no hope. And as a Christian, sometimes it can be a lonely walk. And that's something I think a lot of times is not talked about when people talk about being a Christian and being saved. They give you all the fringe benefits of being a Christian, but they don't realize that there's some parts of it that are not always pleasant. That sometimes as you're fighting these demonic forces and you're fighting the forces that are even within yourself, those impulses and sinful desires, it can be draining. And then you don't always see the fruit of your labor. And sometimes it makes you think, why do I even bother? What's the point of being a Christian? So it makes it even worse, which exacerbates it further, is when you see other people who you know that don't believe in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And their lives seem to be fine. <laughs> it seems as if they're physically the, the mirror of health and their, their family's fine. Their finances are fine. They, they seem happy. Every time you look on social media, they're taking these great pictures of these great trips. They're doing all these great things. And you're just barely get by financially or you're still struggling in your health or your family is still having problems. And you may say to yourself, Man, why did I even become a Christian? What was the point? You know, I was better off when I didn't believe because my life was so much easier and calmer and simpler. Well, again, we all, no matter how resolute your faith is, you all have those moments where our hope starts to fade, 
where our strength starts to wane. And so my point for this episode, my desire is to to give us a spiritual shot in the arm, to give us some heavenly adrenaline, <laughs> to, to let you know that it's not hopeless. That as a Christian, the one thing we could always hold on to is our hope. That I just think about it, our very salvation is based on a foundation of hope. So if we don't have hope as a Christian, you don't have anything. So our hope is everything. So I want to give us some things that we can do to make sure that we can hold on to our hope. The first thing we can do to make sure we can hold on to our hope, we need to remember God's power. Now, that sounds simple, but let me dig a little deeper. We have to remember who it is that we're serving. We have to remember who our hope is in. Now, if your hope is solely in yourself, you have every right to be afraid. (laughs) If your hope is solely in someone else, you have every right to be afraid. But if your hope is in God, you have nothing to be afraid of. Because he's already proven to us through many things that he is faithful. And he makes it clear that our confidence never comes from ourselves. Being a Christian is not about self-esteem. It's about savior esteem. It's about esteeming the one who has always been there, who said he would stick closer than a brother, as the scripture says. The key is to remember who it is that we're serving. We're serving a God. Who has no limits? We're serving a God who has no shortages. Not only that, we're serving a God who loved you and I so much that he sent his son to die. Now, you think that if someone loved you enough that someone would die for you, that he's going to neglect you, that he's going to leave you hanging? And the scripture says not only did he die for us, but he died for us while we were still sinners, while we didn't even realize the depth of what he did, he still died for us. If that doesn't prove that we are hoping in the right person, nothing else will. Let me give you a scripture. Now, this is Old Testament, and just bear me a little bit as I set this up. It's Joshua chapter 4, starting at verse 4. It says, So Joshua called together 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Now, just to set this up for those who may not be familiar with the story, this is after uh, Israel was freed from Egyptian bondage and they were crossing the Jordan River. So they crossed the river and Joshua says to get some stones that were on the bottom of the river so they could have a memorial of what the Lord had done. So think about that. The nation of Israel, they kept something so they could be reminded. We serve a God that literally parted a river, parted a sea for us to go through. So when my hope is low, I can look at these stones and be reminded of the power of the God that I serve. Now, you and I may not be crossing a Jordan River literally, 
but there may have been a figurative Jordan River that you crossed that God got you through. So do you have any mementos? You may not have a stone, but you may have a story. You may have a testimony of something that, that you can rely on and says, you know what? I've been through something before and the Lord was there for me. So when you and I are, our hope is starting to wane, it's imperative that we remember God's power. Remember what he's already done. Cause remember our confidence in God comes from our experience with God. By knowing who it is we serve and knowing what he's capable of, you can trust that he's there for you. There's a saying I heard a long time ago that someone said, love is what you go through with somebody. So that's a real test of someone's love, the fact that you can endure and go through things. And so Joshua in the nation of Israel gives us a great example of Sometimes we need to be reminded that we serve an all-powerful God. And not only an all-powerful God, but the scripture says God is love. So it's one thing to have all power, but if you have power, but you don't have passion and you don't have compassion, then it won't do us any good. But God is not only rich in might, the Bible says he's also rich in mercy. So even in the moments where our hope is low, and can we really be honest? Sometimes our hope gets low because we're convicted by something we've done. So we feel as if somehow we're disqualified from being in God's presence. But we need to be able to remember the powerful God that we serve. Here's another scripture. Now I'll move on to my second point. Psalm 77, starting at verse 9. This is David when he was on the run. From his son Absalom, those who may know the story, uh, David was on a run for Absalom because his son was trying to take over his kingdom. So he was literally on the run from him. So David was in a situation where his hope was really down because his kingdom had been taken away by his own son. So now that I've set it up, <laughs> let me read the scripture. Psalm 77, starting at verse 9. It says, has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And then I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. That psalm is a really good point of us for to read and to kind of reflect on. That could be your stone, so to speak, your Jordan River stone that you can go to. Because here it is, David made it clear. He had his moment where he was saying, God has forgotten me. He slammed the door on, my, on his compassion. He says, this must be my fate. I might as well accept the fact that God has turned his back against me. But then he says, but then I recall all you've done. I remember your deeds of long ago. He says, they're constantly in my thoughts. So when you and I have our moments when our hope is low, could it be that our hope is low because our memory has faded? Because we've forgotten the great things that God has already done? So one of the main tools we can have to hold on to our hope is to remember the power of God and what he's already done. And that's the same God who did it before. It's the same God that can do it again. So now, the second thing we can do to hold on to our hope is to meditate on God's word. 
Now, it's key that I said the word meditate, because a lot of times when you think of other faiths, you think of meditation as being some kind of hypnotic state where your mind is shut off. Well, meditate in this context means to really sit back, read the word, and not just read it, but really deliberate, really concentrate, really think and ponder on his word. And that's why I mentioned this in previous episodes, that as a Christian, Knowing the word of God is of the utmost importance. We have to know what the word says. And it's not about just getting it secondhand from someone. Well, that includes a minister or a pastor. There's nothing wrong with hearing a word from someone, but it's, it can't supplant you knowing what the word is for yourself. Our hope can't survive on just secondhand affirmations or cliches. Because it could be that our hope is fading because we spend more time with with life's pursuits than with God. Because when you and I meditate on the word, that's a way of spending time in God's presence. Could it be that our hope is fading at times because we're fixating our minds and our attentions on situations and circumstances and not on God? And we don't go to the answer that lies in his word. Let me give you a scripture. Romans chapter 15, verse four. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. There's the word. Our hope is in Christ, but then when it's low, the scriptures gives us a roadmap back to where we should be in our standing with Christ. Our endurance and our lack of faith can sometimes be a direct reflection of our lack of time in the scriptures. Our lack of faith in God could be a direct reflection of our lack of time with God. Think about it. In any relationship you have, it can't be maintained if there's no time spent. If there's no investment, if you're married to someone, you can't have a healthy marriage if you never spend time with that person. If you have a coworker and you're a supervisor, you can't fully expect that coworker to fully live up to the expectations of the, the job requires if there's no investment of time and training. So the same thing with us as a Christian, how can we expect to have hope when the very thing that helps us maintain our hope, the scriptures, it's not even looked at. One of the biggest indictments for a lot of people who call themselves Christians is their lack of time in the scriptures. And I'm not trying to cast any aspersions, but you know, you may get a scripture emailed to you every morning, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But we got to go deeper than that. You have to go deeper than just the surface stuff. When your hope is being attacked, you can't just do the bare minimum. When your life is in a situation where you're confused and it seems like this Christian walk is really just tearing you apart, you have to dig deeper. And could it be that maybe God is allowing some of these things to happen to provoke us to dig deeper? Because a lot of us, the only times we really dig deep and really seek God is when things get dire. When things are great, God is not a priority. When things go bad, God all of a sudden becomes a priority. And I'm talking from personal experience here, too. I'm not just pointing fingers at I myself have been there. The enemy 
is after our hope because he knows that's the foundation of our very faith. We place our hope in the fact that Jesus is real, that Jesus did what he said he did. None of us who are listening to this podcast were present when Jesus died on the cross. None of us who are listening have a direct view of what happened on Calvary. None of us do. But we place our hope that we believe that what the word of God says about Christ is true. So it's about believing, but knowing and meditating on the word of God. Here's another scripture. And I'm going to kind of dig into the scripture a little bit more because some of us who are Christians may have heard the scripture a bunch of times. But I, when I read the scripture, I actually got a different meaning. Maybe you knew it already before I did and you're just smarter than me. But <laughs> let me just read the scripture and then I'll explain. Second Timothy chapter three. I'm going to read the New International Version and I'm going to read a different version and I'll explain. So the New International Version says, all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, those of us who have been Christians for quite a while have probably heard this scripture before. And it makes my point about how we need to meditate on God's word because it says useful for teaching, correcting, and training in righteousness. So we may be equipped for every good work. Now, that's an excellent scripture. Now, I was researching for the podcast. And I looked at the scripture in a different uh, version. And what stood out to me, because I've read the scripture a bunch of times, but when I've looked at the scripture, I've always looked at it from a position of me teaching, me rebuking, and me correcting and training other people. But in a New Living Translation, look at what it says. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So my whole perspective was, wow, I had been looking at the scripture from an outside perspective, but now I had to internalize it. And maybe you already had a perspective before, and that's not revelatory to you. But for some of us, it might be that this scripture is saying that for all of us, that scripture is needed to help us to realize what we're doing wrong. We've strayed and fallen short because we haven't been reading the word. The scripture in the Psalms, it says, how can a man stay on the way of purity by following the word of God? We need to make sure we're meditating on the word of God, by focusing on his word, it will give us that hope. It will give us that impetus to keep going because the things that God has said he's going to do, we won't know them unless we look what the word says, which is a perfect segue <laughs> to my last point. Because we've already established how to hold on to your hope. You need to remember God's power. We need to meditate on God's word. But lastly, we need to rely on God's promises. That's why I said it was a great segue from the last point, because to know what God's promises are, you got to know what the word says. So we got to make sure we stay in the word. But now, what are some of God's promises? Well, God never promised us it's going to be sunshine and rainbows all the time. And that's something that we need to make sure we understand as Christians. God has never promised us that our life is going to be easy. As a matter of fact, if you look at 
the apostles, they really went through a lot suffering for Christ. So we have to understand that God has never promised us that our lives are going to be great all the time. But he did promise us that he would be with us. He did promise us that he would care for us. Another scripture that those of us who are Christians have probably heard uh, quite often. Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. And it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a powerful scripture. Now, the word anxious in verse six, when you're talking about Bible scriptures, it can mean something different depending on the text. But in this case, anxious pretty much means what it means in 2021. It means to be troubled with cares, to fret, to be worried. And a lot of times when we're, we're losing our hope is because we're worried. We're frantic about a situation. But look at what he says. It says, be anxious for nothing because the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. So if you know what his power is, you know what his word is, then you can trust his promises. We have all fallen short in somebody's life at some point. There is someone right now who still has a grudge against you because you didn't come through on their behalf. And you're probably holding a grudge against someone who didn't come through on your behalf. Maybe your intentions were good, but there may be some circumstances beyond your control where you were unable to fulfill a promise or a vow that you made to someone. We've all done it, and it has been done to us as well. But God is so much different than you and I. His promises are never faulty. He never fails to come through. He always sees it through. Whatever he promises, he will deliver. And it goes back again to the first point of remembering God's power. You have to just go back and remember there are things that God has promised you and he's come through already. That's an awesome God that we serve. Another scripture, Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us hold firmly to the hope we profess. I'm going to stop right there. If you and I profess to have hope in Christ, the writer of Hebrews is making it clear we need to hold on to it firmly. Now, why would he say hold on to it firmly unless there was going to be something that's going to make us not hold on? Think about it. If you've ever ridden a motorcycle, a roller coaster or something along those lines, when it was moving back and forth, you were holding on tight to the bar. or You're holding on tight to the handlebars or holding on tight if you're driving a car to the steering wheel. Because there were situations and surroundings that were rocky that you needed to make sure you were in control and stable. So you held on firmly. So the Hebrew writer is saying the same thing. Let us hold firmly to the hope we profess. Because look at what it says. Because we can trust God to keep his promise. Wow. Powerful scripture there. We need to hold on to our hope because we can trust that God can and will keep his promise. That's a real nugget that I I pray that we hold on to and understand that we serve a God that has always been faithful. He's never left us in a position where we were without. Now, he may have done some things that we didn't like that were uncomfortable, but he's never put us in a position where we were actually without. He's never done that. And remember, God being sovereign 
He does not have to answer to us. Remember, we serve him. But his love is so wonderful that he cares enough that he'll still come through on our behalf, even when we don't understand, even when we're not faithful, even when we're doubting. His promises are not predicated on our faith. His promises are predicated on his faithfulness. And that's a wonderful thing to know. One more scripture, and we'll wrap this up. And this is a one of my favorite scriptures. This is Matthew 8, 28 and 29. It says, when he, he being Jesus, arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with the Son of God? They shouted. Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? Now, I want you to think about what I just read. Here it is. Jesus comes and he sees these two demon-possessed men. The demons saw Jesus. Their response was, have you come to torture us before the appointed time? That last sentence should give us all the hope we need. Because even the enemy knows that he is only going to be around for a certain amount of time. The enemy knows that there's a certain point in time where he will no longer be a factor in our lives. That they even know there's going to come a point where that time is up. So you mean to tell me that the demons have more faith in the power of God and more hope in knowing that their time is up than we do knowing that that our time on earth is not going to be as calamitous as we think? That our time on earth is just a precursor? to our wonderful time in heaven. Look at that scripture. You and I need to have way more faith than these demons, but they recognize who Jesus was. And they said, we know we have an appointed time where we're going to be dealt with. And that means it's just a matter of time before God steps in your situation. So let that be a point of encouragement to you. That even though you're going to have times where your hope struggles, and like I said in the beginning, you may have some believer's fatigue. But know that God is always with us. That our hope in him should always be strong, as the scripture says, because he's never left us. And he said he would never leave us nor forsake us. And even though things get tough, even though things get tiring sometimes, we have to hold on to our hope. And we can do that. We remember God's power, what he's already done. We meditate on God's word, what he's already said. And then we rely on God's promises, what he's already promised to do. That, my friends, is the recipe how to make sure you not just have hope, but you hold on to your hope. I thank you so much. Continue to be blessed. And as always, let your light shine brightest for Jesus Christ beyond the benediction.